you for listening to this message from the North Gate. We're going to dive into something, and then I feel like we're going to, at the end, I think we're going to get, Cookie, if you'll bring the whiteboard up here. So you know, you know it's going to get teachy when I got the whiteboard up here. So we're going to bring this up here and set it right behind me, and hopefully you can see it. Uh, yeah, just right here briefly. I'll either push it here or I'll take it way back behind me, depending on who's got bad eyesight. I wrote it big as I possibly could. So some of y'all think I became a scientist with my circles and my numbers. We're going we're gonna to talk about physics here today. Quantum physics that Jesus talked about, moving mountains, throwing matters into the sea. So Kevin's back there going, yes. So no, not really. But we're actually going to talk about transition because before we can begin to move mountains, we have to know who we are in Christ Jesus. And so in that, for years, I've watched people scream at Jezebel, I've, and I've cast out devils myself, but I find the American church more in a cycle rather than a real true new beginning. And so what happens is we understand that the number eight, eight people on the ark became a new beginning for cultivation and uh, citizenship and all that kind of stuff in the earth. So in this, the Lord had really been speaking with me. We've been on Romans 8, I think, for about three months. We have not left Romans 8 and John 3, 16 for literally at least three months, if not longer. And so surprisingly enough, again, today we're going to get into Romans 8 and we can't leave it. And here's why, because many of us don't understand the North Gate itself is in its eighth year. And what I don't want to do is be a church that's stuck in a new beginning all the time. I want us to go into the cultivation of the ninth month, which means we've birthed something. There's been a complete transition of something that you've carried, something that you've nurtured, and moving on into a complete, because what we have to understand is the gospel's transitional, it's transforming. Nobody talks about the transforming power of the gospel anymore. We have become so satisfied with you signing a card and saying you're going to make it to heaven that we don't want to see people's marriages get cultivated. We don't want to see them reach their dreams and potentials in the marketplace when it comes to witty inventions. Apostolically, the apostles did not just win people's souls so that they could fill up heaven. They cultivated entire cities. When you see the book of Ephesians and you see Corinthians and you see Galatians and you see Philippi's, those were letters to churches that were impacting entire cities. But before we could get back to the place of impacting entire cities, we have to get to the place where we're allowing the gospel to impact us. And the problem is the gospel we're preaching today preaches a new beginning, but it doesn't really preach a transformation anymore. That's why you don't hear the language in the church called, are you born again? Inside of our culture, we hear, are you born again again? Which means you met a place of salvation and transformation, but now God wants to transform you and mature you more. So in this, when I went away, I told you guys last week a little bit, I was on the beach and I like to play the Beach Boys and beachy songs, Bob Marley and Jimmy Buffett and all that fun beach stuff when I'm on the beach. But I, growing up, I, I absolutely love the Beach Boys. I love their music. I love their sound. And so in that, we were listening to Good Vibrations. And in listening to the song, Good, 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 Good Vibrations, I heard the Lord say, I'm about to shift in your thinking, Jimmy. Good, good, good expectations. 
Because what has happened inside of all of us when we talk about dreaming in the kingdom, we get stuck in a place of not having good expectations. We actually have unrealistic expectations. And it's starting to ruin relationships all through the kingdom family. Because inside of that, as I'm this is why it's important for you to walk closely with people. This is why it is in Acts 2, when they birthed the church, they wanted to get them in one mind and one in accord. They wanted them all to be steadfast on the apostles' doctrines and teachings. Why? So you could know who Peter is, know who Paul is. There was no unhealthy expectation when Peter comes back and sees, or when Paul comes back to Jerusalem and sees Peter not sitting with Jews. Guess what? Peter had issues with racism way back then. So there's no unrealistic expectation when he sees him struggling with something that he'd already struggled with before. This is deep. This is deep. He did not put an unrealistic expectation on Peter. So when he sees Peter slipping, he doesn't come and beat him up. He doesn't come and throw his hands in his air. He doesn't, there's mercy actually attached to it. Hey man, you're not, you're not doing what you should be doing. He pulls him aside. He begins to deal with him as a brother. He begins to speak to him. Hey man, you're preaching the greatest message of all time, but you're not living it to its fullest. And he comes with a healthy truth of a good expectation that you can get past where you are today and go from a new beginning into a transformation. You can go from a new beginning into a transformation because we don't put unrealistic expectations on people that the worst part of daydreaming is you have to have a sanctified imagination. And this is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about your thought process really creates your world and creates your culture. I should never think that Streetsville is ever going to be mobile. That's an unhealthy, unrealistic expectation. If I think Streetsville is ever going to look like something that is connected to the Gulf Coast. You understand what I'm saying? And so what happens is when I don't see the authenticity of the very place that my feet touches, I start thinking I shouldn't live here. I shouldn't be here. What's going on here? Why? Because I put unrealistic expectations on the suburbs of Cleveland. I put unrealistic expectations on what I'm living. We do it with our spouses. We do it with our children. We do it with our coworkers. We do it the very world that we're living in. We're unhappy. We have no joy. And we're sitting here announcing age of peace. Age of peace is not something you walk into. It's something you create. I'm going to show it to you. It's actually age of peace. The dimension of walking into the age of peace is actually a door that you use a key and unlock and go in and create a culture for this age. The same way you created warfare. You just didn't walk into war. You had to see yourself as a warrior. You had to see yourself as a soldier in the Lord's arm. You had to change your whole mindset. You had to allow your whole thinking to be transformed. Because when, listen, when I went into spiritual warfare, I used to be a drug addict. I used to be a, an adulterer. I used to be, and then all of a sudden, I'm now, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I had to convince myself that I was becoming a soldier in the Lord's army. And so now you've been so baptized in spiritual warfare, you can't even remotely take off your helmet and become a homesteader and say, I'm a son. And so what happens is we find ourselves in the culture of the cycle called new beginnings. 
And that's what I've heard in the church my whole life. We're in a new beginning. We're in a new beginning. We're in a new beginning. No, we just keep dressing up the pig with makeup and a skirt and a dress. She's called religion, and she is what she is. No matter how much makeup you put on her, a pig's a pig. No matter if you call it family, revival, awakening, reformation, whatever names you want to put on it, at the end of the day, we still don't trust each other. We're still not in one mind and one accord. We're still not going to prayer meetings. We're still not. It's get my church on, get my blessing, get what I need. Never transform cities. Never baton something on to the next generation. Selfishly say, fix me, fix me, fix me, fix me. When the kingdom is all about reconciliation and building. The kingdom is at hand. It's how you see life. And without joy and without hope and without mercy, hate's just going to keep becoming hate. From the shootings in Buffalo to the shootings in Texas, hate's just going to be keep coming hate. Hate is just hate. And guess what? You're never going to cast out hate with more hate. The same way you can't fight fire with fire. Somebody's going to have to allow the transforming mercy, hope, love of God to invade them. That we realize that when Jesus preached the sermon on the mount, it was probably the most transforming sermon that Jesus ever preached in a lifetime. And what God was trying to get us to do is stop looking at 360 as such a negative thing that there are some things that need to come back full circle. Why? Because the Bible itself says that there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. What is, is is. And God's going to restore his relationship with us in the Garden of Eden and build a beautiful paradise for us to walk and commune with him daily. God is restoring that right now because everything in the kingdom of God is about reconciliation. Everything within the covenant that surrounds your life was not made by you. It was made for you. If you want to understand if you're a kingdom man or a kingdom woman, you're going to walk in reconciliation, love and peace and joy and righteousness this in the Holy Ghost, you are not going to be one of jealousy and karma and hate and unforgiveness. That is not the way of Jesus. Everything to do with the kingdom is made in covenant, a relationship that is bound together that cannot and will not be broken. Covenant was not made by you. It was made for you. The kingdom is about reconciliation. The kingdom is about an everlasting covenant that for God so loved the world that he said, I'm going to show you that I'm going to give. I'm going to give my son. I'm going to give my son to reconcile the world back to me. I'm going to give Jesus, the lamb who has never sinned, to the world so that I can have all of you reconciled back to me. And if you want to save the world, if you want to end racism and end abortion and you want to end drug addiction and every justice cause that you can think of, if you want to end all the darkness in the world, then you're going to have to walk with a heart of reconciliation. You're going to have to walk in a maturity that you can be transformed Away from the man of sin, away from the man of hatred, away from, but am I supposed to walk in perfection? No, that's what reconciliation is all about. We're supposed to walk in forgiveness. We're supposed to walk in love. We're supposed to walk in hope. And the only way you can walk in hope is if you don't have an unrealistic expectation. 
having unrealistic expectations on the people you're in covenant with. Having unrealistic expectations on a leader. Having unrealistic expectations on a son. And so you know what we do in unrealistic expectations? We say it's everybody else's fault, but guess where unrealistic expectations come? From the production of who you are on the inside, Ishmael. God is dealing with the inner Ishmael of you trying to produce your world rather than walk in the communion, love, and hope, and joy of God. You try to create a false world. Well, if they would do this for me, or if they would do that for me, or if this would happen, or if that would happen, joy still did not come from that, from this happening, or that happening, or marrying them, or seeing them, or if they would talk to me, or shake my hand, or go out to dinner with me, that still won't bring you joy, because all of the issues that's going on inside of you are on the inside of you, not on the outside of the world. Because to find out if you're about to step into the most joyful days of your life, you see reconciliation with everything broken in the earth. You see that Jesus gave his life so that the world could be reconciled back to the Father. The everlasting covenant, immediately when it happens, the endemic covenant happens, which has to do with relationship. And inside of relationship, when the fall of man happens, God sends reconciliation through his son, Jesus. And through that, to get to Jesus, it's a relationship with David. It's a relationship with the people of Palestine. It's the relationship with Moses. It's the relationship with Abraham. It's the relationship with Noah. And it's the relationship with Adam that all leads us to the new covenant of a relationship with Jesus. Relationships matter. Look at me. Relationships matter. And we are breaking away from people. Watch. Person, 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 person. Land. Person. Watch this. Watch this. Adamic covenant. Land. Noahic covenant. Land. Abrahamic covenant. Land. Mosaic covenant. Land. Palestinian covenant. People. Davidic covenant, land, Jesus, both earth and you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes with him, world is land, belief is people. And guess what he did not want you to get tied up in? Unrealistic expectations. He didn't want you to get tied up in that. He wanted you to realize that land and people, if it's inside of the kingdom and it's inside of covenant, from the beginning of the father to walking with Adam to the fall, from Adam to Noah to Abraham to Moses to the Palestinian covenant to Davidic to the new covenant brings us all back full circle of reconciliation of the way things ought to be, they should be. So the righteousness of God is you being fully alive in the glory of God to be as you ought to be. The righteousness of God is not you not cussing, not swearing, because you all failed at that. You all watched something. Y'all said something. Y'all done something. So the reconciliation is understanding that there's mercy and grace attached to the walk with God. So inside of that, 360 means reconciliation, bringing things full circle, seeing things in the fullness that they are. 360 
is not the cycle that is bad. 360 is full circle going to glory, to glory, to glory. The way things ought to be is you with the Father. The way things should be is you with the Father. 360 is you fully alive. Looks a lot like the sun. And we think when we see cycles and patterns that we think it's children of going around and around and around. Nope, you want to know where your cycles and patterns are of your prison? In the number eight, new beginning, new beginning, new beginning, new beginning. And listen, new beginnings aren't bad. When the children of Israel went from Egypt to the wilderness, it was okay. When the 10-day journey kept meeting a crossroads of promise, they couldn't move on from the cycle of doing the same thing over and over and over and over. Because what has to happen inside of the number eight, your thought process has to change. For the people to get into the ark, they had, why? How did they get into the ark? How does the number eight even start? You're gonna hear a word that sounds completely impossible. You're gonna hear a word that sounds completely impossible. The number eight begins in the ark of Revelation when they say, hey, get in the boat, it's about to rain. What do you mean it's never rained before? How do you know when you're stepping into the place of the eight is when a prophet or the man of God or God himself speaks to you into doing something that you've never done in your life, never seen in your life, can't comprehend in my family name. It's reconciling redemption. God wants to do something in your family name and he wants to redeem it. So nobody in past generations could do what you're about to do. It's the number eight. You're about to do what God says you're going to do, but you keep going into the cycle and pattern. I can't transform into the number nine. So I keep coming to the crossroad, the crossroad, the crossroad, and I can't see myself other than a slave. The children of Israel could not leave from Egypt to the land of promise, which was nine, because they couldn't see themselves anything other than slaves. They couldn't see themselves cultivating land. They couldn't see themselves as businessmen and women. They couldn't see themselves as a nation because they'd just been slaves in another land. They couldn't see it. See, the Bible says you become slave to your sin. And what we taught you in religion is slave to your sin means your behavioral issues. And God says it's not your behavioral issues at all. It's actually your thought process. You don't see yourself good enough. Because you have unreal expectations on yourself. And if you have unrealistic expectations on yourself, then you'll always have unrealistic expectations on everybody else. But if you have good, good, good expectations on yourself, then you're going to have good, 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 merciful thoughts of reconciliation and redemption on everybody that is around you. And if you're walking in the apostolic authority of the kingdom, then you're walking in the authority of Jesus and you become one who can settle issues. I said, I'm tired of Christians not being able to settle their issues. I'm tired of them walking in the true authority. What is, listen, it's Galatians 4 screaming at you until the immature son becomes mature enough to do what? Settle your own issues. 
Until that happens, Ishmael's been telling you, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. But it's in the realm of a new beginning. Noah was a father that told his family, sons, get on the boat because we're about to cultivate new land. We're about to grow grapes. We're about to see things we've never seen before. While the child is in immaturity, you're going to need a father to get you on a boat to get you out of the crossroads of this cycle. It's going to change this time. It's going to change this time. It's going to change this time. And if you don't watch it, inside of this cycle, inside of this cycle, Ishmael will speak to you at a crossroad and try to get you to produce something else to get to nine. How do you know that that's Ishmael talking? Because when the position comes to produce something, you'll do it by yourself, Abraham, rather than somebody in covenant. I'm going to throw something. I'm going to throw something because you won't know what. You can sit here and selfishly try to create a world by yourself, but number nine, when a baby is born like the three that are up here, number nine can only happen through covenant. Number nine can only happen through intimacy. Number nine can only come from the laboring and caring. Nine can only come from cultivation. Nine can only come when you're willing to make something, when you're ready to do something, when you're ready to move forward into all that God has for you and not say that I'm going to sit in manna and I'm going to wait for God to open the door and God's about to open the door, but Are you ready to walk through and cultivate? Because how do I know when you've come into a place of maturity, Jesus speaks very clearly of those that are maturity in Matthew 5. Watch this starting in verse 2. Verse 2, this is what Jesus begins to pronounce. I've never heard anybody's speech preach Matthew 5 as spiritual maturity until I started looking at expectations. Because unhealthy expectations produce what? Frustration. Anxiety. What's anxiety when you are a prisoner to time? Anxiety is literally you hyperventilating going, this ain't never going to change. This ain't never going to get fixed. This ain't never, this ain't never, this ain't, it's bad expectations. It's unhealthy, unreal, it's, it's, it's situations of no resolve. It's situations of no resolve. And God goes, I died for the whole world. It's resolved. Watch this. I died for the whole world. It's resolved. Cancer resolved. Sickness resolved. My stripes on my back proved it. Addiction resolved. Anger resolved. Depression resolved. Everything happened on the cross. It is finished. It means everything. It you're dealing with. It it is over. It means it. We just keep bringing it back to life support. Because unhealthy expectations won't allow us to move to nine. It won't allow us to become a mom and dad. It won't allow us to become a homesteader. It won't allow us to see futuristic. It won't, it'll just keep us in the daydreaming of a new beginning. Daydreaming, daydreaming, daydreaming. Tina's got an amazing book by who's? Brennan Manning. What's it called? Abba? Abba's Child. First thing in that book, first chapter, slaps me right in the mouth about a week ago. Literally talks about a little boy who just sits and daydreams and what he daydreams of never happens. And because that's how he daydreams with an unhealthy imagination, an unsanctified imagination by Holy Spirit, he spends his whole life around everything saying he doesn't measure up. Yeah, man, come on. 
What happens when the light of the world, the sons and daughters of God, start putting good, healthy expectations on one another and themselves? The only way you're going to do that is you're going to get rid of Ishmael. Our church will only be good enough when it's running 500. It'll only be good enough when it's running 1,000. Yet when you're running 1,000, you're not good enough. When you're running 2,000, you're not good enough. And when you got a conference that's as big, you're not good enough then either. How do I know that? Because we were there. We were there behind closed scenes going, if we could just get a little bit bigger, get a little bit bigger, get a little bigger. God's going, no, I actually want you to get smaller and get close and get in covenant so that you can have reconciliation. So when a marriage is falling apart, it can see a marriage that can get together. And when your brother offends you, you can actually get biblical, put your stuff down at the altar and go things and make right with a brother. We'll actually get real biblical and quit speaking in unknown tongues and think that's the pinnacle of Christianity when that's not the pinnacle of Christianity because most of the time, when you're praying in tongues, God's going, go make things right with your brother. Go things, you shut up on a Hyundai, shut up on a Hyundai. You're praying in the spirit. Go make things right. You think you're saying, get me to another stage. Get me some more money. Get me a bigger conference. And he's going, no, I want you to make some relationships right. I want you to make some relationships right because I'm trying to build an ark. And I don't need a thousand to build an ark. I need a father and four sons. And then I need them to find covenant wives to repopulate a culture again so that we can get to nine. That this time when I destroyed the cycle and I destroyed the adultery and I destroyed angels having an affair with women, when I get rid of this world, we'll create nine that has grapes the size of basketballs. But you're going to have to figure out what world you're living in. It's not the one that he died for. If we're frustrated and anxiety, depression, and fear, and calling ourselves Christians, you're in the cycle. And you keep coming to a crossroad that God's going, I wish you'd go on to nine. Wish we'd quit going through this. But you know what's funny? When you go through it, he's going, you're right on time. You're right where you're supposed to be. And the Ishmael voices that you've been in actually covenant with that tells you you're not good enough. And then we want to blame those people. But the real thing is you should be secure enough to go in front Saul anytime when he throws a spear at you. That's the maturity you're supposed to walk in. When he knew that he was supposed to be in covenant with Saul, when he knew he was supposed to be in Israel, when he knew he was supposed to be connected with that, we, this is what we want. We want it all, rainbows and popcorns and gummy bears and nobody's gonna get mad. David, to be the king that he was desired to be, had to have spears thrown at him, had to have armies chase him down and remain in honor and unshook because he was not gonna cut caught in the cycle patterns of his family. That's good, man. This, this, this would change the world. If we'd really listen to what's being preached and stop being offended at everything. Jesus said offense will come. I'm actually going to send offense to you. I'm going to put you in eight and watch offense come to you and see how you respond to it. It's not going to take your life. It's not going to send you to hell, but it's going to reveal your character. I'm actually going to send a fence to show how rooted you are inside of me to see if I can promote you to nine that you can create a world in Streetsville and Cleveland and Ohio. That's why the pinnacle's not heaven. The pinnacle's the kingdom at hand. The pinnacle's the kingdom at hand and the only way the kingdom can be at hand is when you're walking in a devotional place hand in hand with the Lord. How do we know that we're walking with the Lord? Jesus told us easy in, in Matthew 5. If you'll let me, if you'll let me in this place, preach it, read it, whatever. It's your fault. Unrealistic expectations you're putting on me right now. 
<laughs> Watch how Jesus says this in the Sermon of the Mouth. Right here. I just said mouth. Go ahead and laugh, Dakota. <laughs> Watch this. Jesus began to teach them. The first way you'll discover if you're walking in maturity or not is can you sit down with somebody that carries the anointing of Jesus and allow them to teach you? You want to find out if you're coming into a place of maturity. Can you recognize anointing on somebody? Quit putting unrealistic expectations on that teacher and say, teach me how to create. Because the greatest thing we saw Jesus teach Adam was how to create a world. So Jesus sits down and goes to teach them. I love this. What happiness comes to your what happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual when you feel your spiritual poverty? For yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord? For you will find what you're looking for. Let's read that again because everybody's looking to try to find themselves, correct? Isn't that the Christian world right now? I'm just trying to find myself. I'm just trying to find myself. Here's the first way you'll find yourself. Find somebody with the anointing of Jesus, not the anointing of self. It's different. It's different. Find the anointing of Jesus. Sit down and let them teach you and be teachable. That's where you'll find you. Go find, let me make it real plain for you. Go find a spiritual father and let him teach you. Don't let him become your buddy. Let him teach you. This isn't about becoming buddies in the church and figuring out how to do small groups and split another church wide open. Go find a father and let him teach you the ways of life. It's quiet in here. So watch this. What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty for yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord? When you wait upon the Lord, you're right on time. You're right where you're supposed to be. What delight comes to you when you figure out I'm right on time and I'm right where I'm supposed to be and Ishmael don't have a voice and I'm not good enough, doesn't have a voice and I stop having unrealistic expectations on people and everything around me. For you will find... What you long for. What blessings come to you when gentleness lives inside of you. For you will then begin to what? Inherit the earth. Handling things gentle. Being able to realize this is about to happen. Okay, so we had some new graham crackers down in Marietta. They were two. You didn't get the big box with like 18 of them. Each kid got two. Well, in the very beginning of everybody, because what happens is, what happens when you see a s'more? Everybody drools. Everybody drools. Listen, when people see a picture of revival, everybody gets excited. Everybody gets excited. And the last thing we want to do is actually handle revival with gentleness. We actually want to handle it with momentum, which means force. We want to figure how to make this thing as profitable as we absolutely can rather than how can we grow and mature in everything that the Lord is doing. So what happens is when we see something good in front of us, we don't want to handle it with gentleness and that shows our immaturity. So when the kids first saw the graham cracker, oh baby, it's survival. It's s'more time. It's s'more time. So what did they do? They rushed into these, 
Two crackers in a thing, just two in a small thing. And when they rushed to open up what had been given to them by authority, because they weren't allowed to eat them until dinner was done, until everything had calmed down, and everything was where it was supposed to be on time. And when the next phase of goodness came, they rushed. And when they rushed, guess what happened to the gram? Pieces. And so the church, God has poured out his goodness and we're in pieces right now because we're trying to rush what God's wanting to do in his own time because we actually think he's coming back tomorrow and we're running out of time. And he said, listen to me, if you'll sit down and be taught, I'll show you what you ought to be because I actually delight in you and I really want to show mercy in you and I want to show you that you're actually right on time. So don't get in a hurry and don't have, watch, we don't just put unrealistic expectations on ourselves and the people around us. You put them on God. You put them on God. You put them on God. I watched in my, in my uncle's kitchen today. I watched in my uncle's kitchen. When my grandmother died, watch. When my grandmother died, what, 30 years ago? 1986. 86. Almost 40 years, Tina looked at me and said, when my grandmother died, the last thing I remember hearing my grandmother say is save my children, save my children. Oxygen in her nose, fighting cancer. Oh, God. Oh, God. Save my children. You ever heard mama pray? That's my grandma. Oh, it's that Appalachian thing from West Virginia and Virginia. They would cry out with what they called Tehillah praise, and they turned their praise actually into prayer. Oh, God. Oh, my children. Oh, God, you know they're not serving you. Oh, God. Oh, and I'm telling you, my every hair on my body is standing up now. The anointing of Jesus would come in on her. Save my kids. Oh, God, my grandchildren. Oh, God, save my grandchildren. I stood in my, my uncle's kitchen this morning and watched three generations later pray. I watched my kids hold a prayer meeting in my Uncle Dave's kitchen. I watched my mom pray. I watched my uncle pray. I watched my Uncle Dave, who's running from the Lord. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after. There ain't no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down coming after me. And I watched, let's see, when I was growing up, we wanted to pray at everything Uncle Dave may be doing wrong. And we want to put fear that if you don't get it right, you might die in a wreck and go to hell. I didn't hear hell mentioned. I didn't hear the devil mentioned. And I watched the Spirit of God come up in that kitchen as my kids pray. And then I watched my mom pray. And while my mom is holding her brother David and praying for healing in his body, I watched the love of God come on that man and tears run down his face. And he turned and grabbed me. But 30 years ago, Chuck wasn't serving the Lord. Chuck is a ranger in California walking on God's creation with a prayer journal. 30 years later, he's on time. He's on time. But somewhere, my mom's family wasn't being taught, you're on time. My Uncle Chuck's crying and looks at me while Dave rushes out of the house and goes, he can't run forever. You know what the truth is that is? He can't. 
And I don't care if it's on his deathbed. I don't care if it's tonight at a fire pit. I don't care if it's at deer camp in a couple months. God's reckless love is coming after my Uncle Dave. And he's coming after your brothers. And he's coming after your sisters. And he's coming after your children. Quit looking at the production. Quit having unrealistic expectations. Just because they might be living in a little bit of hell here doesn't mean they're going to burn for eternity. Just because they're burning in a little, just because it's a little frustrating now. Guess what the response should be right now? Love, mercy, 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 mercy. And there, there, man, there's some things not right in my Uncle Dave's life. There's some things in your life ain't right either. But love come rushing into that kitchen. And I, I, the Holy Spirit told me why he had to run out of the room. You know why he had to run out of the room? Because he wasn't hearing my mom pray anymore. He was hearing his mom pray. You know why? Because sound is everlasting. Just like his grace, sound never dies. And so at one moment it was mama and then the next minute it became mama Blankenship and it was his mom holding him right there and the anointing of Jesus come on her. Her mother's anointing came on her and she began to pray for her brother and the brother did not hear the older sister anymore. The brother heard mom. And his response was not anger. His response, you can ask my wife, was immediately turn and grab me and squeeze me. The same response when I was preaching and singing on his property two years ago. His response was not hate. His response was grab Warren, grab Mike Clendenin. Do you understand why relationship is so important? Because inside of religion, at that campfire that night, religion wouldn't say, Dave's feeling the Lord. Dave's doing things he should not do. God's going, he's on time. He's right where he's supposed to be. And because I've got covenant family around him, he's right where he should be. (sighs) Don't stop praying. And that's what's happening to the church. They're wanting to stop praying and put on more production and put on more smoke and put on more. Are you against smoking lights? I'm not, as long as the anointing of Jesus is there. But is the key reconciliation or is the key more production in people? What's, what, what are you going after? What are you going after? If there's more production than there is prayer, I can tell you what you're going after. And I'm not going to allow this house to become more of a place of production than it is a place of prayer. I'm not gonna allow this house as the father of this house to become more of a place of production, a more where Ishmael's can be birthed, but a place of reconciliation where people can be reconciled back to the father. Jesus came so that we could be reconciled back to the father so that we could hear this message being preached In verse five, what blessings come to you when gentleness lives in you? For you will inherit the earth. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness, which is to be as you ought to be the way God created you without unrealistic expectations on your own life. For you will then be satisfied to be as you ought to be will bring you into the place of satisfaction. How blessed you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, 
for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will open to see more and more of God. Watch this. How joyful. How many of us here want the joy of the Lord? Here it is right here. Here it is. You ready? How joyful you are when you make peace. Look at this. Look at this. This is what we don't want to do. We're not in peace because we're sitting in eight and we're not moving to nine. You want peace to come? You want joy to come? When you come to this crossroad right here, when you come to this cross, I've been here before. Man, I've been here before. If you've been there before, Galatians 4, then get a father in the crossroad with you. Get a father in the crossroad. Get somebody's voice in the crossroad with you to make you make just one different choice. And what's that different choice? Boys, we're going to build a boat. We're going to announce to the world it's going to rain, but it's never rained before. It's okay. It's what we heard in prayer. That's why you got to have prayer, not production. That's why you got to have people like the Jacob generation that will seek the face of God. Oh, you Jacob generation. You become ancient gates. You become everlasting doors. You begin to open, create, and make. You become the likeness, image, abilities of Jesus Christ. Why? Because you are now transforming, and you can't transform a culture until you allow the goodness of God to transform you. I'll take the foolish things to shame the wise. I'll take the ordinary things and make them powerful. You have to see yourself the way God sees you. I heard Brad Custer say this today. The adversary knows more of who you are than you do. That's why he's after you, trying to confuse you. He knows more of your ability. He goes, why? He knows you were made in the image and likeness of God. The accuser of the brethren knows more of who you are than you do. So how do you know if you're hanging around accusing voices? Accusing voices are accusations of guilty or not guilty. Accusers are guilty or not guilty. Accusers are, are you guilty or not guilty? Well, I've never faced anybody like that. Yes, you have. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. That's an accuser. I'm right, you're wrong. The kingdom is reconcile, reconcile, reconcile. The covenant of God is I've sent my son to reconcile the earth back to my father. Reconcile, reconcile. Ah, get over your pride, reconcile. Get over your pride, reconcile. Get over your pride, reconcile. Get over your pride. Or should I say get over Ishmael? Quit trying to sleep with a slave girl and make something. Quit trying to sleep with the system of slavery and create a world that what will still be blessed. Ishmael was blessed, but he wasn't the promise. And Ishmael will always bark at your promise. And what's your promise? A land full of milk and honey that ain't nobody stepped in. A boat that it ain't never rained. A city called Jericho. A giant called Goliath. A lion's den. What are you stepping away from? Because somebody's telling you that ain't right. And then guess what you're going to do in your own Ishmael way? It's them from keeping me back. Ain't nobody keeping you back from nothing. You're keeping it back from yourself. Ishmael starts in you before it gets on somebody else. Ishmael starts in me before it gets on anybody else. 
What's Ishmael? Unrealistic expectations. He took a slave girl named Hagar and put unrealistic expectations on her and said, I'm going to get you pregnant and we're going to repopulate the earth. Can't happen. It was Hagar, not Sarah. As much as you tried to make Hagar Sarah, only Sarah can be Sarah. Only you can be you. Only you can. So that's why the indoctrination in every magazine, every social media is baptizing us in unrealistic expectations. Baptizing us. This is what you should look like, girl. This is what you should act like, girl. This is what you should talk like, girl. This is what you should look like, mom and dad. Why aren't you rich yet? Why don't you have this yet? This is what the social media is trending, 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 trending. And inside you're looking in the mirror going, I'm not beloved. He don't love me. God, where are you at? I saw it today. I saw it today. I saw it today in New Philadelphia. I saw a girl on the phone and almost ran over to her car. Tina looked at me and said, what in the world are you doing? She couldn't hear. I heard her screaming into her phone. God, why? God, where are you? Why, God, why? At first when I heard the screaming, I thought she was being abused in the car. Then I looked over and it was nothing more than a woman yelling into her phone. And I don't know what the situation was. But Holy Spirit said, that's an entire generation that can't find out who they are. Screaming at the phone going, why God don't I look like her? Why God am I not as popular as them? Why don't I have what other people have? And they're being baptized in Ishmael. And I'm not looking on a phone. Look at me. My generation ain't looking. Some of them are, but most of us ain't looking on a phone going, I wish I looked like them. No, we wish we're going, I wish I had their house. I wish I had their car. And you know what we sit in? The cycle and the prison of the new beginning. Not willing to build a boat because we're coming to a crossroad called the wilderness and don't know how to step into the place of promise because we don't want to hear the Father's voice saying, listen, you're bigger than that. You're amazing. But for you to figure out you're amazing, we're going to have to transform the way you think because you're going to have to come out of slavery. You're going to have to come out of slavery, Egypt. You're going to have to come out of a slave's mindset and come into the place of promise. You're going to have to figure out, watch, you're going to have to figure out how to make. Well, brother, that sounds like production. Jesus is teaching here. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me for you. Do the heresy police on me saying I'm preaching production. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. How joyful you are when you make peace. For you will be recognized as the true children of God. The King James Version says, Blessed is the peacemakers, for you shall be called the sons of God. You thought you were going to walk into the age of peace, but instead you're supposed to cultivate it and make it. You're supposed to put down your sword and shield. Or watch this, your hammers and nails of create, pro, not creativity, productivity. Put down your hammer and nails. Put down your sword and shield and start reconciling, which means make peace. Make peace. There's not a lot of children birthed inside of war. There's a lot of murder, raping, pillaging, destruction. Why is the church crying out for war? 
Haven't we American church raped and pillaged and murdered enough with our tongues? And see no value in our brother and sister in Christ? Haven't we murdered enough with our tongue? Haven't we raped and pillaged and stole people's identities and their purity? That's what raping is, is stealing someone's purity. We are seeing people get saved over the last 43 years of my life, get on fire with the Lord and religion rape them. Take what? Their purity of being on fire for Jesus. You're just a little too emotional. You're just a little too fired. No, I need the world fired up and passionate because that's what Romans tells me. Romans told you, old saint, don't lose your passion. Because every time a new believer gets a fire, you have unrealistic expectations of what Christianity should look like. So when you see actually somebody hot, you tell them, cool down. Unhealthy expectations. Listen, there's order in everything. But even Jesus, when the sons of thunder wanted to call down fire on somebody, he didn't tell them they couldn't do it. He just redirected their zeal. It's about time that we start redirecting some zeal. And how are we going to do that? We need to find those that are broken and we need to tell them so now the case is closed. Those that have been sitting in churches for 30 years and they once got saved and had a dream and they once got saved and had a fire and they once got prophesied and saw visions and dreams and we told them that's not of the kingdom and somebody got saved in a Baptist church and said, I believe in miracles and religion said miracles are done with the apostles. No, they're not. Haven't we raped enough? And you know what's sickening is? The rape is actually incestuous. It's not the world telling you to cool down. It's the church. The world's actually screaming for your light. The world's actually screaming for you to have a prayer meeting. The world's actually screaming for you to do something. The world's actually screaming for you to make peace. Make peace, make peace, make peace, make peace. But we are just like the children of Israel who got saved, got in the wilderness, and don't know how to step into the promise. Why? Because we did this. We put unrealistic expectations on leaders. We put unrealistic expectations, and then we trumpet to everybody, the church hurt me. Oh, it's quiet. Jesus has been hurt by the church more than anybody. Pastors and their families have actually been hurt by the church more than anybody. Truth be known. Truth be known. But who's still pillaring? Who's still standing? Jesus is still sitting on the throne and I'm still up here preaching and I've got more knives in my back than anybody in this room. You know why? Because you're going to heaven, church hurt, but there's a world out there that don't know anything about the goodness of God and we need to get over ourselves and reconcile, 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 reconcile. If there's one thing you can ask my wife about 17 years of ministry, anybody who's ever had aught with us, have I not went to them and found them out? That's how I roll. And this ain't got to do it. Nobody, like right now, I'm not mad at anybody. Nobody's hurt me. I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. But this is for this house. This is for this house. This is for this house. I'll tell you something in this house that Bryn Waddell said something to me. He said, I love that everybody in the Northgate tunes in to Apostle Damon. He said, but Apostle Damon's not preaching the message for Streetsboro. He said, Jimmy Lovejoy is. This is the message you need to be following more than anything. This one right here. This one coming out of my mouth. Romans 8. Should every one of us track with our apostle? Absolutely. Because everything I'm saying ties into him. It should. Why? He's in the root system. 
He's in the root system. I took a piece from Brad Custer today of listening to his sermon, but I'm not gonna go into details of what he preached for Kentucky because what he preached for Kentucky is for Kentucky. What we need to do is get away from accusing voices that tell you you're not good enough. And the first voice that tells you you're not good enough, quit blaming it on everybody else. The first one you're gonna have to deal with is you. The first one you're gonna have to deal with is you are beloved by the Father. That's why Romans 8, Paul says this. Romans 8, transform. Romans 8, move away from the cycle pattern. And listen, I don't care how long you've been in the cycle. The children of Israel needed to be in it for 40 years. Good. Look at me, good. And they were right on time, and they were right where they were supposed to be. Good. You know what that means? No judgment here. No judge. Who am I to judge their time? Good. Good. And if you've been in a cycle for 40 years, good. Uncle Dave's probably been in a cycle for 40 years, good. Nine's coming. How do I know that? What I saw today. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up coming after me. However long Tara has been away from the Lord closely, it, it's coming. She's right on time and she's right where she's supposed to be. My sisters are right on time and they're right where they're supposed to be. Your children are right on time and they're right where they're supposed to be. Your marriage is right on time and it's right where it's supposed to be. Do you understand, beloved identity, why it's so needed? Seven years, you're loved by God. Seven years, devotion. Know who you are in Christ. And when you do that, guess what you'll hear? So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. So then, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims on us at all. And we have no further expectations. He says obligations. We have no further unhealthy expectations. You know what we have? Good, good Good expectations. But 14 kids got murdered. Listen, my heart grows out for every one of those families. But does this mean America's in a bad place? Nope, America, you're right on time. You're right where you're supposed to be. A young man murdered, murdered in an African-American community in racism, cold blood in Buffalo. My heart goes out for every single one of those families. What do you think about that, preacher? We're right where we're supposed to be. That, that sounds like you have no remorse. No, the Bible says that life is like a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. I don't know when my day's coming. You don't know when yours is coming. Do you know what I'm supposed to do? This is the day the Lord has made. I'm, I'm supposed to rejoice in this day. Not continue to talk in frustration and negativity and hate. Hate does not deal with hate. Hate does not deal with hate the same way fire don't deal with fire. God's gonna have to have some people that will stop being the accusing voice of this is the right way and this is the wrong way. This is the right way and this is the wrong way. You know what we need to look for? Reconciliation. Reconciliation. Reconciliate. Let Jesus reconcile those families. Let Jesus reconcile Buffalo, New York. Let Jesus reconcile Texas. Let Jesus reconcile Streetsboro. Let Jesus reconcile Cleveland. We become like, somebody's got to start doing this thing right. Where's racism going to end? Right here when I wrap my arms around Dexter, right here. Somebody's got to become something other than an accusing voice. 
Christianity does not mean things were not going to go wrong. Christianity was like, I have an answer. And his name's Jesus and he's love. I even told you today, he's even gonna he's going to send offense to you to see how you respond to it. He's going to find out how rooted you are in him. You claim in his name, we're going to find out how rooted you are. I'm going to take somebody that loves you and make them offend you. And it's not, watch again, it's not make them offend you. It's actually your fractured heart saw them wrongly. It's your unrealistic expectation. Because the fact of the matter was, that Jimmy Lovejoy, he's loud and he's, I've been loud the whole daggone time. He's this and he's that. I've been this way the whole time. Mike, I can't believe Mike. Mike tells him he's been this way. Janet, Dakota has been this way. Dakota just makes a joke out of everything. Now it's your fractured heart right now being offended because he's laughing and you actually should be laughing too. Because you are you called to live with Dakota or be offended by Dakota? That's why everything in the kingdom has to do with relationship and land. Relationship and land. Relationship and land. Why? Why does this mean anything to us? So then, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims on We have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you are about to die. But if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, we then taste abundant life. Mature children have good expectations. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. What are the impulses of the Holy Spirit? Good expectations. What? Oh, man, you're making this too simple. Okay. Let's just say Chris has cancer. Are we going to have unrealistic expectations of him being healed or good? Impulses of the Spirit. The impulses of the Spirit will always be good. The impulses of the Spirit will always be reconciliation. So anything other than a daydream negative or can't happen, God let me down. God didn't let you down. You let yourself down. When we talk about Galatians 4, the Ishmael message screaming at Isaac, where did both Isaac and Ishmael come from? Abraham. So Ishmael was an Abraham issue. How you know you're an accusing voice to everybody around you is when you can't claim your own Ishmael. Let me just break this down for you apostolically real quick. Because what we do is play the finger game in American church. Our apostle, who's an oracle, said the answer for the world around you, if you can shut your Ishmael up, then you'll be able to shut everybody else's up too. And so while I was on my trip... Galatians 4, I text my spiritual father because I'm not in the full inheritance of Streetsboro. And I said, help me deal with my Ishmael. And watch everybody in the room. You have an Ishmael. My Ishmael's not trying to get 100 people in the room. I did that. My Ishmael's not. Listen, I have a gift and this is not arrogance. 
I have a gift and a way to get people together. I put over 500 people in a stanky gym in the 1930s. I think we could fill this one up easy. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm trying to father sons and daughters into their future. You know why? So every baby that's in this room, people count adults. I look at all the kids we got. We're taking 60-some kids to youth camp. Well, brother, they don't attend your church. Why did you the one that put the thing on the wall that said offering, attendance? Let me refresh everybody. Jesus obviously wasn't worried about the attendance in the garden, wasn't worried about the attendance on the boat with Noah, wasn't worried about the attendance of how many came out of Egypt, wasn't worried about the attendance with Moses, was not worried about attendance. You know what he was worried about? You. Because all of this happened to reconcile the earth back to the Father. Y'all getting this? Y'all getting this? Now watch. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the good things of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned again. For as he rises up within us, watch this inner world again, our spirits joined him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved, what? How do you know you're in this place of beloved identity? Everything happens for a reason. How can you find love in all in the earth? Easy. Easy. I don't have the answer for Texas. God didn't place me there. My answer is for Streetsboro. So the, the day of the mass shooting in the elementary school, I'm coaching a baseball game. Everything happens for a reason, right? Manaway and that side of Portage County may be one of the racist sides of this county. So at the end of the baseball game, God sets it up on this day that something tragic happens. Do you think God had a hand in it? No. You know what I think is going on in our nation? We've asked God to step back and he did We've asked him to step back. And they said, okay, Abraham, you want to birth Ishmael? We'll let you do it yourself. At one point, I was in your school. You took me out of your school. In the 1960s, they took prayer out of school. One woman who believed in something created prayer being taken out of school. 1970s, one woman, Roe versus Wade, changes the culture of a nation. 1980s, we take the Ten Commandments out of every place of government. How? One person went from eight to nine. They started creating something while the church just kept trying to fill up. We stopped realizing that in the early days of this government, when a city was built, that's what, go to downtown Cleveland. What do you see in the middle of the city? Churches. Churches. 
In the middle of major cities in the 1800s, they always built a church first, which represented the school and the church. And then they built everything else around that. In the, in, in the 1990s, when we started pulling God out of everything, guess what we started building cities around then? Malls. Guess what's dying now? Malls. So here's the thing. Are we in a worse place as a nation or a great place? No, we're in a great place because on Memorial Day weekend, there's a handful of three percenters sitting here in this message. Because when the world gets darker, God's not gonna look, watch, God's not gonna look for you to get up on a sidewalk and preach. It's the end times. Heaven or hell, burn or turn. Nope. No, no. If this nation continues to get worse, you know what, you know what the answer is going to be for America? Relationships. Relationships. But here's what I say in the goodness and kindness and mercy of God. Here's what I say. End timers want it to get worse. God's already got the answer for it to get better. How do I know? You're sitting here. You're sitting here. We're the answer. The Jesus inside of us, loving what? Each other. And then as we love each other, then we'll learn to love others. One of the most impactful things this whole weekend, down when we were in Marietta, is my cousin is marrying a man from Cuba, and he has a little boy, and he's 12. He's not athletic. He is nothing like a North Gator or a Lovejoy at all. And I watched my kids start playing catch with this kid. I watched Trenton go on nature walks with this kid. And we could sit and say, hey, let's get the guitars out and sing some hymnals around the fire. Maybe that'll impact the family. The most impactful thing at my family reunion this week, everybody kept saying, was the kindness they saw in my children. And my oldest uncle, Chuck, kept grabbing Trenton and going, just prophesying over him, your future's so bright. The way you would take time for one boy who has nothing in common with you and make him feel like he's a part of the family. If the answer in Romans 8 for the orphan spirit is family, then it's not have more church services it's not have more conferences. It's definitely not scream at more devils. It's figure out how to be so rooted in love that when John Bollinger rubs me the wrong way, or let's flip it how it's really going to be, how I rub John the wrong way, can we really show an anchor net of family? Watch this. Can we show, because oh, Apostle D said in 2019, we'd carry a different weight. Be a me different measuring stick. You know what that is? Family. That's why when y'all didn't see D and CC around here for a little bit, they were right on time. They were right where they were supposed to be. And when they came back in, what's the body of Christ supposed to do? Arms wide open. Guess what we're not supposed to do? Well, brother, we're going to put you on a suspension and we're going to wait till you can get up there. No, we already know he's anointed and he can sing. And Welcome home. 
We're, we're going to snub CC and her. No, we're not going to snub her and her kids. We're, gonna... we're creating a net. The net that's interwoven in Romans 8, right? Watch this. Watch this, what Apostle Aaron would say, what the numbers speak. The number eight is the chet. Eight is an invitation to pursue a new or miraculous path beyond your current known borders. Eight is to go beyond what you know. Watch nine when you transition over. It's called the tet. It's a complete basket, which is for safekeeping of precious things, which would be like a womb. For the new birth, after nine months, fruitfulness comes. Nine represents fruitfulness. Guess what year nine is next year for the North Gate? Nine. Nine. Nine is not a complete number because it has to connect to other numbers or be subject to them. That's why 18, nine and nine make 18. 18 is a transforming power of righteousness of the journey on its path of righteousness unfolded daily and is not momentary discoveries of mysteries and glory. Nine's going to be a double portion year for us. It's going to be a year of mystery. It's going to be a year of glory. Now, when you hear a year of glory, what do you think? Good church services? Not me. You guys fully alive. Do you know what my biggest prayer, mine and Tina's biggest prayer for you guys, and we talked about this on our anniversary trip. Do you know what my biggest heart for you guys is? To be happy. Do you know what's going to bring joy to every one of you in this room? When we remove Ishmael from our thought process and we get rid of unrealistic expectation. That's it. Unrealistic expectation. So it's Memorial Day weekend. And you know what I can go through the room? Memories. I'll share one with him when he was 13. How old are you now? He's 27 years old. When he was 13 years old, 14. (coughs) On the banks of a river in Alabama when we first met Apostle Damon. I watched that boy encounter the Lord get baptized in a river and lay on the banks of the river and weep. Now he sits here as a father and a husband with two amazing children. And you know what he'll forever be able to say? God connected me to family. Our heaven on earth is right here. But if you have unrealistic expectations the rest of your life to say you're not good enough, you'll get blessed all the time by God and miss it. And miss it. Look at me, and miss it. Don't miss what God's doing right in front of you. And think the pinnacle of Christianity is how many people we can show in a building. What's God really doing in you? What's he really reconciling in you? What's he healing in you? What's he doing right now? Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, 
please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.